Hi, everyone. I'm Dr. Jillian Murphy, a naturopath, speaker, educator, and coach, and this is Food Freedom Body Love, a podcast I put together to help you make peace with food, body image, and weight so you can kick your all-consuming, exhausting weight control food obsession habits and start living your best, healthiest life. It is a big, big day over here at the Food Freedom Body Love Method. Uh, Today, I am opening the doors on my newest program, Redefining Health for Professionals and Practitioners. It's an eight-week intensive for anyone and everyone who works with people in the health and wellness realm who want to be able to offer up non-diet, weight-inclusive advice and care and safe spaces. So this program is perfect if you want to get into this work specifically, if you want to get into coaching or shift up your medicine or therapy practice to focus on body image and disordered eating from this perspective, Um, if you're a dietitian, but also if you own a gym, if you're in the fitness world, if you're an occupational therapist or a physiotherapist or an educator, and you just want to be able to bring this perspective into your work. This eight-week intensive is going to be all about laying the very best foundations. Even if you have been doing this work for a while, if you have been predominantly self-taught, this is going to firm up your foundation. It's going to be fantastic for anyone who also just wants to to regroup and recap some of these things. And um, kind of the not so secret bigger story is that it's also going to be leading into a 12 month mastermind. So I want to be sure that everyone who's in that mastermind, it's going to be a small group of practitioners and professionals. And I want to be able to have very high level conversation. And so anyone who's interested in that, I'm encouraging you to go through this program so that you are ready, fully ready. And I know you are ready for the mastermind when it rolls around a little bit later this summer. So May 4th to the 7th, I just want to say very quickly, there is a very special early bird opportunity. And that is going to be for, I think I called it a webinar. It's going to be more of a workshop about working on your business versus in your business. And what I mean by that is, you know, most of us, if you're in the world of health and wellness, we're very concerned about our skills working with people and making sure we're offering a ton of value and we're helping. But the reality is that we also have to work on our businesses, right? And if there's one thing that you've heard throughout this this series of sessions, it's, you know, how do I, how do I grow my business and how do I compete with a 60 plus billion dollar diet industry? And the reality is that it is hard. And so this early bird special is going to be a special invite to a workshop where you develop the tools, you figure out what your niche is going to be within this work, what the transformation is that you offer, honing your message and making sure that you stand out, that you stand out in the crowd. And this brings me to today's guest, Lori Kennedy. Lori is incredible. She's first and foremost, a mom to her two kids. She's the CEO of the Wellness Business Hub, the host of the Business of Becoming podcast, which I was on, and leader of the Take Your Health Practice online Facebook group. She's been featured in the Huffington Post, Fast Company, and Inc.com. Her company, the Wellness Business Hub, exists to provide industry-specific business training and professional development to support health practitioners and coaches to start and grow their business online. They do this by creating high value, practical and applicable digital content like blogs, videos, the podcast, and they host live events with the intention of supporting their global community to reach more and create an impactful business that changes lives. And today I am having an incredible conversation with Lori about growing a business in this specific area. So we're talking about imposter syndrome. We are talking about finding your niche, competing with the diet industry, creating your own definition and version of health and wellness that fits you like a glove, what it feels like to not belong, whether it's because your business is growing or it's not, or you're 
not living up to the definition of health and wellness you think you should be. It's just a really layered, interesting conversation about working on and in this business. And Lori not only is here with us today, but she's going to be the special guest at that early bird special workshop on finding your niche, getting clear on the transformation you offer, honing your message, and attracting the attention you need for your business. So this is a super incredible opportunity. If you are interested in my new program, jump on it this week because you're going to get to attend this special event. And if you pay in full, the pay in full bonus is a one-on-one -on -one session with me, which is incredibly high value. I usually charge about 300, 350, uh, depending on the length of these intensives. So, um, if you pay in full, you get that. I'll just let you know. I think I explained it in the last podcast, but just a quick wrap up. There's two levels to this program. The basic level is the online video series that comes to your inbox every week for eight weeks, plus a weekly group coaching call. Um, there's also a VIP level where you get a couple of one-on-one -on -one sessions with me as well. So one session per month. And if you pay in full, you get a bonus. So you end up with three one-on-one -on -one sessions with me if you go VIP and pay in full. And if you buy this week, you also get this early bird special. So that is the way to go if you are deeply interested in this work. There's also, you know, the more foundational level, which is the training, the group calls where, you know, this group is not going to be so, so big. You're going to get me weekly throughout this program. Um, and if you pay in full and you get in this week, you get to come to the uh, workshop with Lori and you get a one-on-one -on -one session with me. Okay. That's it. I won't waste any more time. I hope to see you in this program. It is going to be incredible. And otherwise, I hope you enjoy this conversation. I'm so excited to have you with us, Lori. Um, one of the things that I really want to do today, because I'm wrapping up this one-on-one -on -one series where I've been working live one-on-one -on -one with practitioners and professionals in, in this field of weight-inclusive anti-diet approaches to health. And today I want to shift just ever so slightly to working on the business, which is, you know, what you do versus, you know, getting caught up in working in the business. And obviously they're, they're tangled up and intertwined and we'll probably go back and forth. But just to start things off, I was recently on Lori's podcast and um, we talked a little bit about imposter syndrome and how body image gets in the way of building a business. And I wondered if you could just take it away and tell us what you see and how this shows up because you work really deeply in the health and wellness field. And this is a big, it's a big thing. It's a really big thing. And there is this programming. There is this belief system, this very strong, very powerful belief system that health is exemplified in body size. Right. Um, and therefore, if you are not the ideal size with the ideal look, with the dogmatic dietary nutrition principles, that you will not be able to be as successful as the rest, as the sort of, you know, inner circle of like influencers who like look the part and whether, you know, that is true in real life or not, <laughs> you know, act the part <laughs> yeah. um, on camera, so to speak, right? On Instagram and whatnot. Um, and, and so I, I talk about this a lot because it's a huge factor stopping really well-meaning, smart, qualified, purpose-driven practitioners and coaches because they believe that because they're either still struggling to become the quintessential perfect healthiest person or they don't necessarily, they're not at their ideal weight or they still suffer from acne or autoimmune symptoms or, 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 or whatever it is that they then have to wait until they are perfect, ready to put themselves out there. And that is something that I talk about I'm going to say three times a week. Like this is <laughs> yeah. a very common conversation that we have with predominantly females. I've never had this conversation with a male in a decade of doing this right. work. 
Um, and it's women of all backgrounds, races, shapes, sizes, and ages. So it's not just a particular age. Yeah. And it brings up so many things. Like there's so many things that come to mind when you say that, but the first is like this dichotomy of like the reality that a little bit of it is true that, that because of the longstanding indoctrination around weight that has shifted into like wellness, but wellness that really means being thin um, more recently, that there is a little bit of truth to the matter that there are some people who do really well because people have been programmed to believe that their body should look a certain way in order to be healthy. And so they're like looking to people who look like that, right? So there's that in one hand, but then the other reality is that we're human and most women don't look like that and don't have access to bodies that are the cultural ideal and are human and have ongoing, you know, I always say health isn't all or nothing. It's a spectrum. And so any given day, all of us are operating on our own spectrum and things are better some days and things are worse some days and we're killing it in some areas and other areas are a struggle. And that's like the human experience. And so it's interesting that there is a little bit of reality to this, but how do we start to open people's eyes to the reality that like you've been brainwashed. The real reality is that we're all human and we have something to offer within our humanness. I like want to jump out of my skin right now because it's such a good, this is such a necessary conversation and there's so much I have to say about this. And I'll start with it it still boggles my mind when I get messages from people that say to me, thank you for being honest. Thank you for being vulnerable. Thank you for being authentic. When I talk about my coffee beverage of choice, when I talk about drinking diet Coke and don't send me, I know aspartame's not good. Don't add her. We know. (laughs) So I literally have nothing else in my life. Right. (laughs) Like that's the balance, you know? So it's like, or the fact that I'm tired or the fact that I'm not productive that day. Like I get so many messages because it's, it's this social media is amazing and it's also so harmful. And I think, you know, this idea of how we solve this problem is all of us being honest. It's by all of us, every single practitioner and every single coach for every perfect picture, you show a non-perfect one. For every perfect day, you openly communicate a non-perfect day. For every handmade, homemade, whatever food, you show the Starbucks, you show the bag of chips, because I find it really hard to believe that you are never, ever in your whole life not having a candy or, you know, a piece of cake or white sugar or whatever. And if you aren't, okay, but like you're an anomaly. So I think it's- And, the- that, and that doesn't necessarily mean health. Like that's the other thing I say, like if, even if you're not having those things, if that naturally is something that works for you, that's great. But trying to apply it to someone else who really likes that is not yes. sustainable and doesn't lead to health. Exactly. Right. And I think that it's this idea of only showing the highlights and not really exposing the truth of it all to give a full picture of what is working. And then also saying exactly as you said, this is what I do because it works for me and take what resonates and leave the rest. But there's, you know, no judgment. Like if somebody wants to have a piece of like, white cake from Costco with the blue dye icing because it's delicious, frankly, and they can tolerate it. And like, it's a, it's a good choice. They're not doing it because they had a bad day and they deserve the cake, like for all the right reasons. Okay. But show that, you know? And I think that this idea that we as professional healthcare people can't show up unless we show up in this perfect quintessential Instagram worthy way is contributing to the problem. And so when practitioners and coaches say like, I struggle to, you know, how do I'm like, tell the truth. You're having a hard day. Talk about it. Share some ways that you're getting through it 
but also you can acknowledge that you're human. You're having an autoimmune flare-up, talk about it. You, you know, you're having an acne flare-up, talk about it. You're having bad PMS, even though you solve PMS for other people because you're stressed and your kids are, you know, home and blah, blah, blah. Talk about it. Like that doesn't mean that you're not professional. It doesn't mean that you can't help other people. It means you're human. Yeah. Yeah, this is something that um, I saw a lot more when I was when I still had my general naturopathic practice, but I do see it come up as I work to untangle weight and health a little bit with people that I'm working with, is that health, again, becomes this ultimate destination where everything is perfect all the time. Right. And not understanding that we aren't robots, we aren't Volvos, like we we're dynamic beings and the weather affects us and sleep affects us and hormones affect us. And we can be doing everything right. And we can absolutely influence. And there's a lot of value to influencing our level of health, but that we're not infinitely in control. And so I would start to see in my general naturopathic practice, like people coming in because they had an occasional headache. And now obviously if you're having headaches all the time and it's interfering with your ability to work, but like, you know what? Occasionally, human beings just get headaches, especially living in the kind of world we live in right now, where we are, you know, especially it's, I think, never more, you know, obvious than in this like third wave lockdown as we record this in COVID, we are stretched to the friggin' max. And what I see is that aspiring to a definition or a perception of health that is almost impossible and would take every waking moment of your day to try to even come close to Mm -hmm. just becomes another stressor that actually harms health instead of helping health. Yes. Yes. And I think that one of the things, it's so funny, as you said, this has popped into my mind, which is so, I guess, ironic, maybe. I was never taught as a registered holistic nutritionist to define what health meant for me. Like, I was never yes. taught that. No, and I do it with everybody because I it's so true. And when you ask people, what does health even mean to you? What is the purpose of health for you? Yeah. It's so unique yeah. and different when people, first of all, they say, I don't know. Exactly. Because they've never actually, health is just one of those weird words that gets thrown around. Well, health, I think for most women is skinny. Right. Yes. Let's be honest. Like, yeah, let's can you hear me clapping? Here. That is actually what it means. Yes. You know, like, let's be real. Health means to be thin and skinny. Right. Yeah. That's, and clear skin and shiny hair and nice nails. That's health for, right. for most people. Right. Which is like inherently unavailable to, to most people. And, and then what's so interesting is when I get people to dig into their definition of health, and then we start to look at some of the things that they've been doing for health, right. which has actually been trying to make their body smaller than it's supposed to be. We see that they've been like, it's like this Zizifian journey of pushing this rock up a hill infinitely. And it's like, so while you're pushing that boulder up the mountain for the rest of time. Yeah. Where do you get to live out this definition of health that you've created for yourself, which is like living my best life, having fun, having adventure, having the energy to spend time with people I love. I'm like, right. But all your time and energy is over here, pushing the boulder up the mountain for the the rest of eternity. Yes. And I think that very much, it's so interesting if we untangle this, because I think that idea of, of smallness and thinness and perfection and clear skin and hair and all of that. Obviously we see that very much perpetuated on social media and we're all, and, and of course we're also starting to see the opposite, um, you know, to, to, to some degree, right. Of like normal, what normal bodies look like, you know, what quote unquote normal, I mean, what the average woman actually looks like without yeah. the tight, 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 tight clothes on. Right. And just that, like biodiversity makeup. is a fact. Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, I think that that translates into business because it's this idea of self-sabotage. It's this idea of aspiring to an, unas- to a, to a place that you feel like you should be because that's the ideal, but then you're always chasing this carrot that you can never have because that's not for you. Like, 
the example, you know, and going back to like, what is health and what makes you feel good? And it's like this idea of like these goals in your business, like, you know, what works for me won't necessarily work for someone else, but yet they, they are never taught to, you're not doing it wrong your way. You just were never taught how to understand what your way could be and build it to fit your way. So there's you no do model for that. Right. No model for that. And what I do, you know, works for me in my schedule, in my body, and you try and emulate that and it ends up not working. And it's the same thing with health. It's like, I see, you know, on social media and I'm comparing myself to my colleagues, you know, and, and I'm not, I don't teach health anymore. Well, I guess I sort of do. I teach mindset. So, you know, yeah. that's health, but I'm not like talking about chia seeds or water or like elixirs. Um, and however, I still see my colleagues um, in the health and wellness field who do have these delicious, amazing bodies, which I will never have. Um, and I find myself comparing myself a lot and doing, you know, I'm not healthy enough. I'm not doing the hundred things a day to, to, you know, be on par with them. And that makes me, that doesn't make me, I in turn feel bad right? because of it. And I'm like, oh, you know, am I as healthy as them? And I keep asking, like, am I doing everything in my power to like be as healthy as them? And I'm like, wait a second. Like I'm a single mom, you know, like I have two kids who spend the majority of their time here. I run a business. I don't have any support at the moment. <laughs> None, zero. I don't have a spouse. Like I can't make barbecue sauce from scratch right now. Right. right. <laughs> and I try to remind the people too, like a social media is such a funny thing where I love that example. Cause like, I remember one time having a long conversation about making butter out of coconut milk with someone, you know, I'm and she sorry. was so <laughs> feeling like so less than, and I'm like, but also remember that that's that woman's job. So yes. her job yes. is to turn coconut milk into butter and take a beautiful photo of it and put it on Instagram. Yes as inspiration, which is fine in and of itself, but you're a mom of three who works a full-time job, who yeah. also doesn't have a lot of support, who's running kids to activities every yeah. night, like a mad woman. If you don't have the time to turn coconut milk into butter, like that doesn't mean you're lacking. You're not, yeah. you're not less healthy. Yes. <laughs> and I, and I think that example translates really, really well into the business world where practitioners and coaches don't recognize it as their job. So, and it becomes this identity, which of course it is an identity, but they, I am a naturopathic doctor. No, you are Jennifer and your profession is naturopathic medicine. Right. Which means you're human first. And, you know, it's this idea of like, this is the job. So if this is the job, then you get to decide for yourself what goes on your job description and it doesn't have to be perfect. And in fact, it shouldn't be perfect. And if you want to stand out from the crowd and if you want to build an audience of people who you give permission to live in full expression, just as you have given yourself permission to live in full expression, you have to emulate that, which means you have to show both sides. You have to show the coconut, you know, the, the homemade barbecue sauce and the butter from the coconut, which I didn't even know that was a thing, but like how <laughs> power to you if you're going to do that. Like, you know, if you have to do that. If that's part of your brand, if that's part of your job description, you should also talk about as part of your job description, the fact that sometimes you find that tedious and sometimes you go to the store and you buy the one with the sugar in it. Yeah. And if that's yeah. not part of your brand, cool. But we also have to take responsibility for how we're setting up our audience. And so if you are this like uber perfect, uber never eats the sugar a day in your life, uber, uber, uber perfect person, that is a high bar. That is a high bar. And I think that we all have to take a level of responsibility to give people permission to not 
feel badly because the, you're setting the bar so high that they can't possibly live up to it. Well, and it brings to mind the reality that like a lot of people that end up writing the books that are on the market that do really well end up being the very small percent. And I'm giving the benefit of the doubt that they are doing it from a really authentic place and that they're not going to come out in five years with another book that was like, I was so messed up with food and body back when I wrote that book, which happens all the time. But I'm let's sure. say for let's say for the benefit of the doubt, we say that they actually are the 5% of human beings that like thrive really well on really like very dogmatic, very um, like way off, way to the extreme diet circumstances and it does work for them. But those are the individuals. It's compelling because it's so, so extreme and so far in one direction, that's what makes it compelling for our black and white human brains. But the reality is that the way most of us live is much more moderate and much more gray and much more messy, quite frankly. And like, so it's interesting that the people that we have been primed to look up to are those that are setting the bar at a hundred when most of us actually, like it brings up this, this idea that Brene Brown talks about, which is like fitting in versus belonging. And so we all end up trying to fit in with the models that are presented to us. Yes. And we sacrifice authenticity and belonging because they don't happen at the same time. It's one or the other. And so yes. if you're trying to live up to someone else's job description, as you've beautifully said, then you're sacrificing all of the comfort and the, and, and, you know, belonging is so much more sustainable because what it is, is you being you and people accepting you for who you are instead of accepting you for fitting in with the yes. crowd. Right. And so when we work toward belonging, it's scarier because we have to admit our messiness and we have to we have to like play with the dichotomies and we have to live in it and we have to be okay with it and we have to expose it. But for me, there was so much freedom in being able to go to a grocery store in my small city and not care what was in it. Anybody could see anything that was in my grocery cart because I had finally created, I'd written that job description for myself that was perfectly me. And yeah. so I didn't have to spend energy trying to live up to it anymore. I just got to be it. And I, I, you know, I wrote an email a few weeks ago about like how long it took me to find that definition of health and wellness and to create the messaging around what I do, but that it's, I belong to myself and people can come belong with me. Um, and you could, you could find me at 11 PM at Shoppers Drug Mart buying Ben and Jerry's, or you can see me out for a run at 7 AM this morning, or you could see me yeah. at the movie theater eating popcorn. None of it is off brand. It's all yeah. on brand because of, I have worked toward not fitting in with the definitions of health and wellness anymore. But like you said, creating my own Yes. And it's this feeling of belonging that's just so much more freeing and sustainable and yes. manageable, right? And I think also so impactful for the people that want to belong with you. Because what you're doing is you're giving them permission to be who they are while still striving to become better. And you're not, you know, punishing them or right or wrong or like you're bad because, you know, they have to hide the Ben and Jerry's, they have to hide the popcorn, you know, and I think that that, you know, as we talk about this, again, it goes back to this level of responsibility, like we have a responsibility as influencers, as leaders to decide how we want to make other people feel, our brands, you know, and yes, it's important to be aspirational and inspirational for sure. But I think that there is a, there is a point where that then becomes harmful. Um, there's like this very fine tipping point. I totally where like, agree. Yeah. Right? Where like the aspirational perfection, the inspirational perfection teeters ever so slightly into the... Um, not helpful zone where the average person can't recognize it, right? Yeah, like, where empowering can... becomes something that actually makes you feel less than all the time. Exactly. Because if I if I can and should be able to manage all of this all the time, because why you... am I not? Exactly. Right? Yeah. Because you can, again, going back to this idea, it's their job and who knows what happens off camera, which again goes back to this whole idea of like, 
what level of responsibility do we have as leaders, influencers, health professionals, for me, business, to share both sides of it, to share mm -hmm. the all of it, as I say, because I would never want to misrepresent my life that like, A, I have it all together, B, I feel good all the time, C, that I'm like perfect in any capacity. And so I, I've thought about this a lot and it goes back to what you said about like your brand and like belonging. And I think this is where practitioners and coaches can really feel comfortable and create specifically if you're working online, an online brand that actually allows you to live in full expression and takes this responsibility very seriously. And it does come back to this idea of your brand. I decided a long time ago that I needed to show up just as I am, no makeup, greasy hair, dropping F-bombs, drinking coffee, kids running in and out, you know, wearing the same shirt three days in a row. And if you found that to be unprofessional or not credible, we're not going to get along and you're not for me because I chose not to put energy towards faking anything. Right. And not to say that other people are faking it, but I do think that there's a degree of, let me make this shot as perfect as it can be and not showing any other vantage point or side of it. Yeah. And I, and I always, I think you're touching on like, I always say to people, like, it's not unfathomable to me that there are small numbers of people that really, this is like truly how they really like living and 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 it's their real interest like just in the same way that there are people who are infinitely interested in art or music yes. or whatever i'm yeah. sure that there are people who are infinitely interested in the minutia of nutrition and appearance and you know in in some way that it's their art but i think that it's just so muddied by all of the cultural messaging around health and wellness and bodies that yes. before people could ever actually know if that's really what's authentic to them, there's yes. so much like we have to pull off so many layers of shoulds and like, and that, that perfectionistic tendency that we see, um, in, in all business entrepreneurs, business owners, but more so even in women where there's this need to achieve some level or some standard of perfection before putting themselves out there. So I'm wondering, because I feel like creating a definition and a philosophy of health and wellness that, that is perfectly me has been like the best thing that I've ever done. And that said, it's scary for a lot of people mm -hmm. to, to think to, to move from the belief that like there are other people that know better. There are other people that are experts who have defined this. I should be living up to this to, whoa, 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 wait a minute. I'm allowed to question this and I'm allowed to take a look at my own tendencies and appetites and desires. And instead of feeling shame about it, actually consider that maybe I'm a normal human and maybe there are other normal humans like me who are you know, have the same tendencies. And so I'm going to create my own. I'm just wondering, do you have any tips or tools for that that might apply to this when it comes to like building a business? How do you find your, you know, I guess I'm just trying to say like authenticity sounds really great until you actually start doing it and you realize it's a really lonely, gritty process, yes. which, which is in absolute parallel with the work that I do. Right. Because yeah. learning to live in your body in the shape and weight that is best for your body is not always what women want it to be, right? And yes. so there's this very gritty process of like, how do I work with who I am and do what's best for me and live a life that I love while living in, it's, it's a lonely, hard process and it's hard in business too. So just tips, ideas, how do we start yeah. to move toward that? So, oh, this is such a good topic and it's so interesting to me. And I've, I study this because I speak to women, again, of all like races, cultures, ages, professional designations from all over the world. And this is such a common denominator between all is intention. It's, it's taking time. And when you say like, you know, tips or whatever for that, it's so interesting that women, at least this has been my experience, women don't actually know what is authentic to them anyway. Agreed. So even before I, you know, before we can even, you know, define the brand and authenticity, like 
we need to stop and go, who am I? Like, what are my quirks? What is my personality? You know, what makes me laugh? What do I like? What brings me joy? Like, we aren't taught to actually identify with ourselves. We just were brought up as this and then we fall into the cultural and for the most part, obviously I'm generalizing, but for the most part, and you become a mother or a friend or a partner or a this or a teacher or a naturopath and you assume an identity. And all of these different identities and all of these different hats get, you know, get compiled. And all of a sudden you open your eyes and you're like, I'm sorry, who am I? Like, what? Is, okay, so I became a health coach or I became a naturopath and then I had kids and then I didn't and I have a dog and, you know, like, and you're like, I don't even know, like, what is authentic to me? Yeah, I think that's totally true because most women I work with, when I say, you know, we're going to figure out who you are when it comes to food, for example, when we take away all the rules, what do you want to eat? I have no idea. Like, I would say pierogies. I want to eat pizza and pierogies. Like, yeah. that's, you, like <laughs> yeah. I want to eat macaroni and cheese, pizza and pierogies. Like, but but most women have no, yeah. they don't even know. It's like, I don't, because it's just been so long adhering to the rules. To the rules of like, good this, good that. And the so- The right amount of vegetables, the right amount of sugar. Meanwhile, their body's fighting them every step of yeah. the way, which is how they ended up in the place of, yeah. of yeah. disordered eating and like a fraught, Really, so anyway, I totally believe that, and I think that that's really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So to untangle that, you know, and I've had to do this, and this is an exercise I do a lot. It's like I think about if I could be unfiltered for an entire day, what would that look like? What would that feel like? Right? Because it would mean that. I didn't have to think about, does this look good on camera? What am I wearing? Like I would just put a t-shirt on. And if I didn't want, if I slept in the t-shirt and I didn't want to change it, then I wouldn't. And, you know, I would just take the bra off and put the bra back on. Right. And what would it look like to be unfiltered? It would mean that I swore anytime for any reason, as (laughs) much as I wanted. Right. It would mean that I wouldn't necessarily have to like have my hair any which way. It would mean that I wouldn't have to like think before I spoke, like, you know, and obviously I'm not going to cause harm, but like, what would that, what would that look like for me just to show up as I am? And I built a brand around that and I wanted people and I decided for myself what felt really good and what felt really clear and what felt really easy for me that I wouldn't have to expend a lot of energy morphing into the persona of Lori. Mm. Um, and I got really clear on that and it took a while. And I think over the years, you know, there's this photo that I have of myself. I rented this, I rented, okay. I rented this dress because I didn't even actually own these types of clothes. So, and I didn't want to buy them because I knew I would never wear them again. And it was this like proper red dress. And I put pearls in my ears and I had like makeup on and like jewelry, which I don't wear jewelry at all. Um, And I had these like heels and it's me standing there with a green smoothie. And it was the most fake photo like, I think you want to put it beside a photo of you in a t-shirt with your starbucks just being like Lori 2.0 exactly <laughs> and it's funny because it's like i did i've done that where it's like this is how it started and this is how it's going and it's like me with like day four hair um of like you know my oil treatments and stuff but it's like that's what i thought i needed that's who i thought i needed to be in order to be successful and the joke was on me the entire time because as I've allowed myself to just be me, to show up and be like, I'm not having a good day. I wasn't productive today. I'm on fire today. This, that, like Whatever it is, I actually have a much bigger, more connected audience because there is not that, that level, the, the veil, the thin veil of, you know, yes, uh, you know, the thin veil of, this is who I think I need to be. So this is how I'm going to act. And this is how I'm going to portray myself. I am who I am. And I've built a brand, a brand around that. Now, do I play up some of my qualities? Of course I do, as everybody does. Sure. But they're the qualities like I don't shower. Like it's a joke that like I'm not someone who showers often. 
that's like, it's part of my brand. I made it part of my brand so that it would be okay when I had the greasy hair, nobody would question me. Yeah. And it's like, you know, I totally agree with you. Like, it's okay to have different facets of our personality. I'm not like, you know, you're not, I'm not a two dimensional character. And yet we play up the business front facet of ourselves mm-hmm. at times to make it clear who we are and what we stand for. It's okay to have facets. You know, what we're more talking about is this idea of like living double lives, which is very yes. different from being a multifaceted human. Something that came up, I don't know if this is like a question or a point of conversation. I don't know. But as a business owner, I, particularly this year, have had a really deep realization that when my business starts to grow, anytime my business is growing, Anytime I am making big strides, a shame spiral sets in. There's like an inevitable shame, like this, like this feeling, I don't know where it comes from. It's like a feeling of exposure. It's a feeling of growth. It's just a discomfort of being at a new level that immediately triggers shame. And then I think that it ties in here because we are as women so primed to feel shame about our appetite and our body that I think that it's a natural place to direct that shame for a lot of people, right? Like, so I don't know where this fits into the conversation. I just, it, it's just making me, because it has been something that I've been working very hard on yes. all year, yes. dealing with shame as it pops up. And um, it's, for me, it's not about my body and what, how, what I eat anymore is so what shows up in other ways, but just like shame. Yeah. yeah. And it's so interesting that you brought that up because one of the conversations that I have most often is, are you afraid of failure or are you afraid of success? Because, and it goes back to this idea of fitting in or belonging, right? Because when you have success, you know, you do not fit in, nor do you belong because the average woman that most, like the common denominator doesn't have a six figure, multi six figure, seven or eight figure business. Most women don't have that. And so you don't fit in, nor do you belong. And it's just an interesting thing when you get to be successful. The idea is that people look at you different, people judge you differently. You will not, you will no longer be able to be relatable. You will be like unrelatable. You know, you're a different person because you have money. And it's like this embarrassing, weird tension in the body that... I think is, is a point of separation between, at least this is how I always felt like it's isolating and it's a point of separation because also I think to, you know, the work met from a mindset perspective that it's taken to get you to that place. And so there is a point of separation between like you or me and like the general population. Um, And that feels bad. It does. And I think for me, like one of the answers is like, how do we help women be more successful? Like it's kind of BS that like, but I think that there's so many of the things that we're talking about today that truly, I mean, it's, it's layered for sure. I spent many years as like a business owner, many, many, many going, what do like that group of white guys in a room know about business that I don't know? Because they just seem to have all the answers and I don't know where they got them. Like, how do they just, were they born? Like, was there a book they got when they were born? So interesting. Cause we've been like my team and I, we've been diving into this, trying to redefine leadership and redefine success as a woman who was always told that you were too much of something and not enough of something else. Because what I say all the time is you're not doing it wrong. You're just not doing it like the traditional men because business, the rules of business, business training, business development was created by men for men. They could walk out the door in the morning. They didn't care. They had no other responsibilities. They went to work. They came home. The dinner was ready. They didn't have to think they could go to the business meetings. They could go away for the weekends. They could just walk out the door. I could just walk out the door and it, and, and, and like not have any regard for any other thing that happened in the household. And it's so interesting when we look at this idea of success and maybe the shame comes because, you know, 
I shouldn't assume I will speak for myself because I know that my level of success came with sacrifice. It came with less time with the children. It came with less time socially. It came with sacrifice. And we are programmed to believe that that is bad. Yeah. And that sacrifice is bad. I think for me too, it's just on some level, this idea of being seen, you know, there's like this very real, yeah, it's just this being seen and being exposed. Maybe I'm not sure. Um, I think it just pulls up shame. And I think like it's, it's true for all people, but I think I have a bit of a shame based personality as well. So then it's even bigger because it's just always like always kind of that lens of like, I must've done something wrong. Um, so I'm just like working on that all the time, but I do think like, I can see how that could very easily for someone who is like me, who hasn't worked through body and food stuff, how it could all get directed at that instead of understanding like, Oh no, 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 no. It's going to show up in its many different forms as you grow and as you expand and as you become more successful. Um, it's just going to show up. And so instead of like the way that I've been working on it this year is like, instead of being like, Oh, it's a fact that my body and my food or whatever is a problem that I have to overcome, or this is a fact, or that's a fact. It's like, no, no, no. How do I just clear up the shame? How do I just clear up the shame? How do I clear it out? I need to clear it out and move on, clear it out, move on. Um, And if that means I have some work to do in some areas, that's fine. I have some work to do, you know? And if there is something that I'm doing, that's not quite right. Let's clean that up. And, and then a whole lot of it is just made up. A whole lot of it is just made up. A whole lot of it is just made up. It's these stories that we tell ourselves, but again, they're valid because these are the models, right? These are apologizing for your success, you know, being uncomfortable, you know, even my accountant, bless him, because he's good. He says to me, don't tell anybody how successful you are. Don't tell anybody. And I'm like, I'm telling all the people because my, one of the mantras is like, you can't model what you don't see. And I take like, I think we, again, it goes back to this intention and responsibility. We have a responsibility to model another way for people. Right. We have a responsibility to model another way. I have a responsibility to model the fact that I've done what I've done without you know, uh, a business degree. Like I failed grade 10 math. I've never taken a marketing class. Like for a long time, I couldn't even remember what my degree was in. Like I couldn't even remember what it was called. (laughs) And like, you know, I feel a responsibility to model the fact that like, you can do this your way. Like, and this idea. And then if we all do that, maybe the generation coming up behind us won't feel shame or won't feel, all of the, it won't, won't have the degree of like mindset nonsense that we have and won't need as much therapy to undo all of the programming and these like, you know, societal norms that like aren't true. Right. Like there's one right way to be successful, one right way to get there. Yeah. And I like this idea, like, um, you know, really, I I know that you talked about it, about the whole like Rachel Hollis incident. Um, But just this idea of like, how do we model it as a way to like bring people with us and like create a space for belonging for everyone, you know, like in opposition to this idea of like being unrelatable. How do we make it relatable? How do we make this success right by telling the truth? By telling the truth. And it's so interesting because, you know, being vulnerable, quote unquote, feels so uncomfortable because we are afraid of being judged as not professional, specifically for health professionals. We're afraid of being judged as not professional, not credible, or not able to help people when all you're doing is telling the truth. And when you tell the truth, you give permission to others to tell their truth and to live in full expression. And just as you said, you know, until you decide for yourself what that full expression is, what health is, what success, I say this all the time, define success for yourself. Don't define it based on me and it's not just money um because you can uh, get the money and still feel real freaking empty oh absolutely yeah or have a life that you hate living exactly or a business that like feels like a prison um and so it's like you know this idea of like 
what is the truth for you based on your circumstances, based on your season of life, it's going to change also, you know, as my kids grow and I, you know, I don't have as much hands on, even with them now, I'm like begging them to hang out with me, you know, like, (laughs) it's like this season of life will change. I'll have more time than I have now. What does success look like for me then? I don't want to just fill it with work hours. Like, how do I want to feel good? What feels fulfilling? And it's like, you're allowed to have wants, you're allowed to have desires, you're allowed to have definitions of success, you're allowed to have a definition of health that isn't defined by somebody else. Right, right. And that idea of like telling the truth and then allowing people who resonate with your truth to find you brings me to my last question. So we've got to wrap this up. Um, Just this idea, something that came up in a couple of these one-on-one sessions that I did is this idea of like, feeling like you're up against that cultural messaging, that 60 plus billion dollar diet industry that has programmed people and conditioned them to want the same thing. (laughs) And so now for, for those who are listening to this podcast, they are either working through their own food and body issues, or they are in the field of helping others work through their food and body issues. And like, it kind of feels like you're, you're, you're fighting a losing battle. Like who's going to, who wants to, who wants to come for unsexy, messy, no Uh rules food when someone else can wrap up this diet and weight loss plan with a beautiful, shiny bow and sell it to me for a a small price in only two weeks. My whole life will be different. Why do I want this messy long process, which I know for a fact leads to long-term ease and health and that shiny package bow you're going to be buying over and over again until the end of time. But like the, I guess the question I'm asking you is any tips for getting our message out there in a way that can compete with the shiny packaged bow? Yes. So it's, first of all, I get this every day. Um, in one of the programs that we have the practitioners and coaches who are starting and growing online, I am the first coaching call that they experience. And so my job in that program is to help them to find their niche, their ideal client, the problem that they solve and the transformation that they deliver. And so often practitioners and coaches come in and they're like, I don't want to sell weight loss, but that's what they want. But really I need to fix their gut or really I need to improve their body confidence or intuitive eating or um, adrenals or this or that, but everybody just identifies it. The common, you know, the common female, um, identifies it as a weight loss situation as if I could only just lose weight, then I would have more energy. If I could only lose weight, my gut issues would go away. If I could only lose weight, I would be more productive. I'd be a better mom. I'd be da, 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 da. And because really, if you think about it, like weight is like the be all and end all for women. Like I call it the weight loss DMV. Like instead of just going after the thing you want to go after, you like, instead of going on that road trip, you get like stuck at the DMV waiting for some thing to happen before you go. Yeah. We think about it. Women literally kill themselves to lose weight. Like that's something that happens. And so what we talk about so often is, is using marketing principles, using branding to attract the ideal client and understand that there's a difference between getting somebody's attention and educating them. So we need to get attention, which is talking about weight because at the point of first contact, their level of awareness is weight loss. That's it. They, they don't have the, um, they're unconsciously incompetent to the point where they don't know that anything else is either a serious root cause problem or that there is something else going on or that anything else other than weight exists. And so to try to get them at the point of first contact, you're going above their awareness. Literally, they're, they're unconsciously incompetent in anything other than what they already know and have been programmed to believe. So at the point of first contact, get them on weight, like struggling to lose weight, have constipation, whatever it is. And then in once they come into your world, whether that's through your social media, <coughs> excuse me, through your lead magnet in your Facebook group, 
you explain to them why weight loss is detrimental to getting them to feel the way that they want to feel. It's a deeper understanding of the psychological reasons that they want to lose weight in the first place so that you can go beyond this idea of macros and calories and deprivation. If that's something you want to do, otherwise, if you want to just do weight loss straight up, just do weight loss straight up. But for those people that struggle because they're like, I don't want to do weight loss, but that's all anybody ever talks about. And that's all anybody ever wants. I'm like, yes. And once they're in your world, you can educate them and you can explain to them that there's no shame or problem in wanting to lose weight. That's in and of itself. If we ripped away all of that, like if you want to lose weight to improve your body, to feel stronger, to do whatever, cool. But most often there's an underlying psychological reason that they want to lose weight and that's what you need to get at. And then you can talk about your philosophy to help them achieve the underlying reason, which is not dieting. It might be a gut program. It might be adrenals. It might be food sensitivities. It might be inflammation. Like they can, you know, and at the end of the day, if they solve the problem and then they want to go lose weight, cool. They actually might be able to in that case. Yeah. And for me, it's also about like, um, helping people understand a, that there's another option B that, um, that you can want to lose weight. But I always say like, um, you know, if you're an adult and you're making a decision, cause people always say, well, why can't you just support women in making whatever decision they want to make? And I say, I do, I absolutely do. I just think that most women don't know that there's other options available. And if you don't think you have another option, it's not really a choice that you're making. You're mm-hmm. being like, you're being like cattle herded into this scenario by market, by the diet industry. Right. And so for me, yeah, I love that idea of like bringing people in, getting to the root of what it is they really want, why the desire to lose weight is there in the first place. Is it true to you or is it something you've been told you must do in order to be a value and worth in the world? Because if you've been told that you must do it to be a value and worth, it's not really a choice you're making. Right. And also what sacrifices might you have to make in order to continue on that pursuit? And do you understand that? And if you understand that and you understand why you're doing it and you still want to do it, then sure. I always say you're an adult. You can do whatever you want, you know? Um, So that's, but that's really interesting to me too, because um, I think some people in this world will like refuse to go on a podcast where they talk about weight loss or where they talk about different eating plans or they talk about whatever. And I have always felt like, but that's exactly where I need to be because those are the people who need to know that there is another option. Like I love, don't get me wrong. I love talking to the the converted. I love preaching to the choir because it's a beautiful, rich, fulfilling conversation. But like, if I'm only talking to people who've already experienced this awakening and awareness of a different option. So I do put myself in uncomfortable situations often where I'm like, I don't know what's going to come up in this interview. I don't know how this person's going to see what I do, but I think that the only way to open up other people's eyes is to put yourself in that spot. And I think it's also, and this is what I say, listen, like you can't change them if they don't know you exist. You can't change them if they're not in your world. And if the, and we have to respect where they're at, at the point of first contact and where they're at is this belief that weight loss is the answer. And only when you have their attention can you start to dismantle those beliefs and open their mind to, oh gosh, maybe there's something else I'm not seeing here, or maybe maybe this doesn't serve me. But if they don't know you exist because you refuse to even talk about it, then you're not going to be able to help anybody because mm-hmm. the fact of the matter is right now, until this changes, which I don't know if it ever will, The point of first contact is weight loss for most women. It's just the fact. And we have to appeal to where they're at in order to get their attention enough to be able to slowly reprogram them to this idea of what is health? Is this serving you? You know, could there be underlying conditions? What do you actually want to achieve here? Because it needs to be more than a number on the scale, you know, like those types of things. Yeah. 
Yeah. I think, and I'd love to maybe some other time we can dig more into that because I think that that's such an interesting, like that line of like how we do that and how we do, it's almost a bait and switch, you know, but how do we do that in integrity and like what, anyway, I've so, I think that's such a great point. I love that. I love the idea of like, um, using these marketing techniques in order yeah. to educate, to, to grab people at that like preconceptual stage of, of change Yes. And, and then pull them in and start to offer yeah. them different options and, and educate yeah. them on what you do. Love yeah. that. Love that. Wow. I hope you guys enjoyed that as much as I did. And I think um, it's really interesting, even as I listen back to that, that conversation, to see how even Lori and I have different, I think it, it, it's clear that we have slightly different versions of health and wellness and approaches, right? And yet we both have businesses that are thriving, that feel good to us, that suit us, that are correct for us. And so I just want to suggest that wherever you're at, in your work, in your business, or in your job, um, there is a way to create a version, a definition of health and wellness that feels perfectly like you. Where you, as Lori says, get to write the job description of what you want to offer for yourself. And um, that not only is it going to be more fun and sustainable and require less energy than trying to sell someone else's version of health and wellness, um, but you're going to attract, you're going to be a super magnet for the people who think like you and feel like you and are looking for what you have to offer. So again, today is the kickoff day for Redefining Health for Professionals and Practitioners. The early bird special goes until Friday. And if you pay in full, you get some one-on-one time with me. Um, If you go VIP, you get a lot of one-on-one time with me. But anyway, I hope to see you in there at any level, in any capacity. Um, And if you think that you are a little bit beyond this program. I think everyone can benefit from getting a re like regrouping on their foundations. And I go much deeper than most do, I will say. Um, but if you happen to think that you're beyond this, but you want to join the mastermind, cause hi, it is hard to find community um, where you can have high level conversations about your business and the work you're doing, where people truly get you. Um, I'll drop the link in the show notes so you can book a call with me and we can figure out if the program is right for you or if you should hold off to the mastermind um, or you should be doing both. So I'll drop that in the show notes as well as more information about the program, some links to Lori and uh, hope to see you in there.